Coming up this week, off-screen. Eddie Redmayne shows us some fantastic beasts and tells us where to find them. Logan Lerman's filled with indignation. The Stooges get their very own doc with Gimme Danger. It's a post-apocalyptic powwow in We Are The Flesh. We pay a visit to the United States of Love. Things get dog-eat-dog with Nicolas Cage. And there's some gender-swapping comedy with Your Name. All those to come and more, off-screen. This is... This is Offscreen. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Conner. I am Case Allen. And before we get to the film news, the reviews, the box office top ten, we should start, of course, by talking about something from the news. What's what's the big thing this week, then, Kate? For me, Mm -hmm. it was the news that Robert Redford, after his next two films, Mm -hmm. is going to be calling it quits. That's That's it. That's terrible news. We both love Mr. Redford, don't we? Of course, yeah. And also Brad Pitt, who is sort of like the new Robert Redford. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Maybe it's time for Robert Redford to go so Brad Pitt can fully just be Robert Redford. When when Redford retires, as Brad Pitt can start to age That's then. It, yeah. <laughs> he can Finally. Start, he can enter the years. age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but but no, yeah, that, that kind of sucks. What the films? He's got one at the moment. This is the one with Jane Fonda. I think he's just finished that one. The one that's reuniting him with Jane Fonda. Yeah, I f- I'm not entirely sure what that's called. There's another the one, and then he's doing with one David S. Lowry. Yes, that's the old man and the gun. Old man of a gun. Yeah, I think the Casey Affleck. Casey Affleck. Right. Yeah, yeah which one, yeah. I mean, that's, that's going to be great just seeing those two on screen together. Isn't that about like a man who escapes from prison in, in its period piece and he goes on a heist or something? Yeah, which sounds like the perfect film for Robert Redford to oh, oh, yeah. finish on, doesn't it? It does. Like, that sounds like a film he would do in the sixties. He has said though he's not going to stop directing. He is, which is good. It. Good, because that, yeah. that's fine. And he's got Sundance, you know. So he has got Sundance. He'll never be far from 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 our. Uh, I would, eyes. I would love to go to actual Sundance one day. That's, that's a bit of a dream. I can send you to Sundance, London. I mean, I'll take that. I'll take that for now, yeah. (laughs) So, um, let's do a quick plug for the podcast first. We'll do that first, get out of the way. Uh, If you want the full extended version of this show, because I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, I enjoy a pod, I enjoy a show Mm. on radio. I think I wish there was a longer version of it. And in this case, you're in luck, because there is. I'm just greedy. I just want more. (laughs) Always want more. And if you go on to uh, iTunes, uh, Acast, Deezer, TuneIn, any podcast platform, um, you'll find us. You'll find us. They're on there screen it's on there just type it in get the full version you basically get the radio edit and then you get another bit of show after the end credits where we do all the films we can't feed in lucky you i know yeah. and you get the and you get the moment of cage and that's that's, oh, that's, that's, worth. that's worth tuning in that's worth, that is worth, the, that's worth. The, the, the price of free admission alone <laughs> uh we have of course we go over to the competition section on our website at the moment as well there's swag to be won you can win uh dvd copies of now you see me too and uh oh, what's one else tree 1976 that star oh, wars that we had a few weeks ago yeah, yeah we did that we reviewed that last week's pretty good yeah i enjoyed it yeah. it was okay yeah. if you're a star I wars fan it. it's a must see i think it- yeah, there's loads, loads of faces you'll recognise, names you won't. It's nice to connect the two. But go on to onscreenfilm.com, go into the competition mm. section, and, well, win some swag. So. What film do we have? Kick first, off proceedings. It, it's, it's the biggie. We're going to do the biggie first. Which it's always is a, good to start with a biggie. Exactly. And this, of course, is Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Where do you find them? Where, where do you find them? Apparently, do we, do in New out? York in 1926 cool. is the answer to that question. <laughs> and this is part one of five, we're told. So there's going to be five of these films. Um, these are Harry Potter prequels, as they, were, as they are. Um, they, they are based... There is a book called Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. But it's like a... a it's like a textbook, it's like a textbook, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. 
within the world. Exactly. Yeah. This, I mean, the textbook is not so much a plot point. It just it happens to get written at the end of the film. The, mm. the main character is Newt Scamander, who's played by uh, Reddy Edmain, yeah. and uh, which is his new name is Reddy Edmain, as you know. That's been his name for a while. I, I think it should be. Yeah. Uh, so Reddy Edmain, having uh, won his Oscar, is now joining the Wizarding World. He's now getting a franchise. I, exactly. That's what you do because you win an Oscar. That's what happens. You become Captain Marvel. Exactly. You yeah. know, uh, Chewie Tull nearly won his Oscar. He got a Marvel series. Who did he, who did he lose the Oscar to? Wasn't was that McConaughey? That was, that was a tough lost year. To McConaughey, that didn't was a he? tough year. Yeah. Bruce Dern that year as well. Oh, yeah. Bruce Dern. Uh, Leo, of course. <laughs> of course, Leo. Didn't Bruce Dern lose to Jared Leto? Um, for both the Dallas Buyers Club? No, he was down for lead. Oh. He was down for lead in, in Nebraska. Oh, of course he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not supporting, is he? Silly me. Right. So, Newt Scamander, played by Reddy Edmain, who is um, a. a Globe, globe spanning. I think it's called a magic, magic zoologist. That's what I've, that's what I've seen in all of yeah. the posters and whatnot. Yeah. So he is yeah. a zoologist. He studies animals, but he studies magical animals, aka the fantastic creature. The title turns up at Ellis Island in 1926. The famous Ellis Island kind of image turns up at immigration, and he's asked, "Can we look in your suitcase?" Unbeknownst to anyone there, his suitcase contains samples of magical creatures. And the reason it does is because his suitcase is like the TARDIS. It's bigger <laughs> on the inside to the extent that you can climb down inside it, and it is like a TARDIS. It's a whole structure cool. inside. It's a whole zoo inside. Um, n- before long, uh, there's a sort of comedy of errors where he accidentally switches suitcases with uh, a non-magi, or muggle to you and me. But the, but Americans, the Americans call him a... Non-magi? Non-magi, I think it is. And... Uh, Needless to say, the cre- a bunch of the creatures wind up being let loose in New York. Uh, what follows then is this Goosebumps-style adventure of let's find the creature and put it back in the book, or in this case, suitcase. And in the background is a plot involving um, a rising anti-witch sentiment in New York, which is trying to sort of be Salem all over again. They want yeah. a new Salem. Hmm. And the idea is that humans have an inkling that witches and wizards exist, <laughs> but they're seen as kind of maniacs. And this is all going on. Ezra Miller's involved, and Samantha Morton's there, and she's not in any of the marketing, Samantha Morton. I didn't even know that she was in this film. And and, and throughout all of this is Colin Farrell doing he's, his... He's, he's uh, your big bad. He, he's kind of your big bad, yeah. Kind right. of, he's, he's involved in it somehow. We're not quite sure how. Here's a clip. It was open? Just a smidge. That crazy Niffler thing's on the loose again? Uh, might be. Then look for it. Look! Oh. His neck's bleeding. Oh. He's hurt. Oh, wake up. Mr. Nomad. <laughs> Mercy Lewis, what is that? Nothing to worry about. That is a mert lap. What else have you got in there? So I think there's something like a dozen creatures in total, and most of them do. We do get to... We counter them all. Mm. Um, this is an interesting litmus test, because we've all... There's been a, a thing for years where it's, it, it is kind of the dumb thing to ridicule J.K. Rowling for being a bit of a money-grubber, as it were. You know, get it, drawing blood from a stone, and Harry Potter will never go away because she will always find a way to squeeze more money out of it. And... Well, in a year that gave us the cursed child, you which know, has made which has all made the money. all the money, yeah, 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 and you know, and then we've had the book of the script of the cursed child, also made all the money, which she hasn't written. I think it's her story, but someone else has written it. I believe so, yeah. And now we've got for the very first time a completely original cinematic story from Harry Potter. So there's a litmus test here: Can Harry Potter, as a franchise, continue? Can there be other avenues mm. for this series? And what do you think? 
I actually think there can be. First of all, I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it. I, I did get swept up in this sort of adventurous of, resistance of it. And yeah. once you put aside certain niggling concerns throughout, which I will get to in a moment. I had like zero interest in seeing it about a year ago. I wasn't interested at all in seeing it. My mm. expectations were non-existent, but... Yeah, pretty much the same as well. But weirdly, the, I mean, obviously this is the job of marketing, but the marketing <laughs> for the last couple of weeks has really, really got me, really drawn mm. me in. I think they, they, the more I hear about they've it, played I up like. the period piece setting a lot more in the marketing. I think recently. that's what it is. And also the fact that it's set in America, it's set in New York. It is something, it is a side that is something that, that we've never it? seen. So Well, I was, I was quite For one thing, they never show you the American uh, wizarding school. We are told about it. Oh, do you never actually see we it? We never actually get to see it. And I, I had expected that that would be something they'd I thought, I thought that would be the case, yeah. Um, the cast, first of all, the cast are, are great in this. So Eddie Redmayne, Eddie Redmayne, Reddy Redmayne, when is he ever really bad? He's, well, it's a lie, it's a lie. I, I, I said that without remembering <laughs> Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue. I will raise my voice. I create and life. speak really lowly. <laughs> um, Eddie Redmayne's a lot of fun. Having said that, he is playing Matt Smith's Doctor. Well, yeah. In in costume, conception, movement, everything. He just needs a sonic screwdriver. Well, he's got his wand. This is the thing. The way he moves around with the wand, and he's literally carrying his TARDIS with him. You look at when this film was written as well, and you think, so it was written when Matt Smith actually was the Doctor. It kind of shows. And that is symptomatic of something that plagues the film throughout, which is there is nothing particularly original about it. Despite the fact that it's the first original story, originality is something it surprisingly lacks. So the plot is Goosebumps. Hmm. When it finally does away with that and does its own unique plot for about the last 20 minutes, it falls back on replicating almost almost point for point the third act of one of the earlier Harry Potter films. So much so that by the time you get to a grand reveal, you realise the producers and the directors kind of ruined this for you weeks in You've advance. already seen it, yeah. yeah. Um, there is the whole Doctor Who thing, and this film will forever answer the question of, is there room for a Doctor Who film in multiplexes? The answer is very firmly yes. But I do think, once you get past that whole originality thing, there is something to enjoy here. It's got that that seamless Harry Potter feeling because David Yates is back to direct, and David Yates is what the last he's going to be the last four, and he's going to be doing the next four as well after <laughs> this one as yeah. well. Um, J.K. Rowling turns out to be a better screenwriter than you'd expect because she's actually scripting this one. Yeah, um, she's no Gillian Flynn. Has she, she done it solo, or has she done it with someone else? She's done this screenplay solo. This is all her, mm. and it shows there is some you, there is some unique character banter mm. in there. Um, it's not a film, surprisingly given that it's it's a franchise launch, it doesn't fall back too heavily on world-building and foreshadowing, which I think is a very good thing. Yeah. Because that's the, what tends to happen with these kind do, of yeah. franchise stuff. There's always like an yeah. offhand comment about, you know, oh, there's going to be like some, some kid named Riddle, keep an eye on him. None of that. Harry Potter fans, though, <laughs> we'll the see. diehard fans, if you are one of those fans who grew up with Harry Potter, who are sort of day-and-day day age-wise with Harry Potter, mm. and there's, there's a whole, there's legions of, of you know, age-appropriate Harry Potter fans out there, they're going to lap this up. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all because it has it has it down. It does feel like a Harry Potter film. Mm. It feels like it takes place in the universe. It doesn't feel like just a spin-off, though. It, it, this does not feel like Fear the Walking Dead, where you're very aware <laughs> that you're just watching a, a cheap side project for the thing yeah. you actually want to watch. It is its own unique thing. I do like that about it. But at the same time, there is a familiarity that works. Non-fans, I think, are going to treat this the same way they would have treated a Harry Potter film. It is that. It, it's no better or worse than the average Harry Potter film. I don't think it's particularly as engrossing or as gripping as the the original Potter films. But that was Is all... it better than Chamber? Because I was... 
thought that Chamber was the weakest. You thought Chamber was I the thought weakest. Chamber was the weakest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd go with that. Actually. I am. I'm an Azkaban man. You're an As- I am an Azkaban man yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I think it's better than Deathly Hallows. Put it that way, because I think those movies sucked, but I did like it. I will just one thing because there are going to be a lot of obsessive fans who mm. sit through the end credits, waiting for something after the credits. There isn't anything after the end credits. I checked. I sat there and I waited. <laughs> I checked. There isn't anything. You've you've made that sacrifice. I have made that sacrifice for you, but unless they held it back from the press, which I doubt, there's nothing after the end credits. Go home. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back. So where to now, Mr. Allen? Let's go to that box office. That box, box office of ours, that of the UK. Number 10. The Light Between Oceans. I really liked this. I did say it was like a Daniel Steele adaptation for Guardian readers, and I stick yeah. to that. I stand, <laughs> I stand by, by that. By um, I think Fassbender's terrific in this. Fassbender is one of those actors... I feel actors. like he could do this in his sleep, though. The thing is, though, Fassbender, as an actor, you might agree with me on this one. Mm. Although we all acknowledge we know he's a terrific actor, he's not what you would say... He's not how you say an investable character at times. He's not a character you can a character actor whose performances you can warm to. They are performances Sometimes you respect. Sometimes it takes a while, especially in a film like Shame as well. Ex- very yeah. much so. This is very much, he actually becomes quite investable, quite a likeable and engaging character, even mm. though he's kind of standoffish and he makes some really stupid calls, isn't it? <laughs> um, Alicia Vikander gets the meat of it. Uh, there's Rachel Weisz as well. They seem to compete for who can you know tug at the heartstrings the most. I really, really liked it. I was engrossed by it. It's something I actually want to see again, strangely enough. Number nine. Jack Reacher, never go back again unless you get paid enough money to do so. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're going to keep throwing money at him for this one, but uh, uh, we've got Mission Impossible Six news later, haven't we? Have you? Got we we may have. We may have. We may have. Okay. Yep. Um, <laughs> so this is the thing with this one. It does feel like a high end TV movie. You know those movies that Tom Selleck used to make. Uh, the Stone movies, or whatever they're called, where Tom Selleck's like an Alaskan sheriff or something. Yes. This feels like someone wanted to do that in cinemas. And that's what it is. That's not to say it's particularly bad. I mean, you know, middle-aged people to grandparents who like NCIS are going to love this. They're going to lap this up. Because it is basically Tom Cruise does an NCIS movie. That's exactly how it plays. So, you know, if, you, if you're in, down for that kind of thing, then rock on. You're going to enjoy this. Number eight. Stalks. It's hanging around. It's been around for a while. It's been around for five weeks at this point. I, I don't get it because it, it's not that good. I mean, it's just it's a thing. It's just a thing. It's just there. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it, it exists. It, it exists. That's it. It's just, just there. It's not particularly funny. It takes its time to, what, not even, not even let you warm to it, just for you to tolerate it. Mm. You, it wears you down more than anything else. And that's a shame because the cast, are, there's a terrific cast there. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I think the kids are better off with trolls, but that's just me. Number seven. The Girl on the Train. Now, have you had the pleasure of this yet? No, it's going to be a Netflix or a Netflix just when it comes to Blu-ray kind of deal, I think. You are going to feel like you're watching a you know a cheap Gone Girl cash-in. Yeah, I know, um, but after about half an hour, I'm just going to stop it and put mm. Gone Girl on. Well, funnily enough, I, did, I didn't realise the week this came out was also the week that Gone Girl hit Netflix, almost as if someone oh, had really? deliberately timed that. <laughs> David Finch is just sitting there with a big button. <laughs> <laughs> Deploy. Deploy the Gone Girl. <laughs> Uh, but this does have some great performances, and Emily Blunt is is just genuinely brilliant in this. Yeah, well, uh, they are severely pushing for for Oscar and awards consideration I'd, this year. I'd be quite happy to see her nominated for awards for this. Okay. I don't think she'll win anything for it, but I could see her getting nominated, mm. and deservedly so. She's it never been nominated at this point. She never? Never. 
Wow, I didn't realise that. I think she'd be nominated for Golden Globe, but never for Oscar. Number six. Nocturnal Animals. I still haven't seen this. I really, really want to. And I loved this, because it was slick, it was stylish. It's everything you expect from Tom Ford. It's everything you expect from Tom Ford, and it is gripping, it's got some great performances. (laughs) This is one I expect to see mentioned around awards season. I think maybe there'll be an Amy Adams nod. Because between yeah. this and Arrival, she has she her star is edging closer to the limelight a little bit this week. Yeah, recently. she's she's kind of dancing around the Leo situation. You do wonder how years she's, ago. Yeah, how she's Five not. Five times she's been nominated, yeah. I believe. Yeah. I can't remember what they were offhand, but uh I could rattle them off, but that would just be bad radio. Give, give me give me give me two at least. Doubt and American Hustle Overfighter as well. That's okay. three. No, and another two. I did, not, I did not remember those. Okay, there we are. Let's talk then about... Uh, well, unless you want to do a bit of film news, we'll talk about Doggy Dog if you've got a bit of film news first. I've got, I got, I got a little give me, bit. Give me something newsworthy. Oh, give me something okay. newsworthy. So, do you remember uh, the Green Hornets film that came out a few years ago? Seth oh, Rogen. that awful Seth Rogen, Cameron Diaz thing. I know, the one that I had really, really high hopes for, and then <laughs> I started watching it. <laughs> I remember that being the film that uh, Seth Rogen slimmed down for. Yeah, for the first time. lost lost a lot of wood. Yeah, didn't it? yeah, yeah. Well, it, it had it had some good names attached to it. it had, um, the director was um, Michelle Gondry Michel as Christoph well. Christoph Waltz wasn't it? Christoph, do you know who the bad guy was supposed to be? I do. Go on. Sir Nicholas of Cage. Sir Nicholas it's of supposed Cage. Supposed to be Sir Nick Cage. But yeah, um, because it is uh, 2016 and it's a property that's not been used for a few years, yeah. we're going to get a new one. Um, it's not going to be related to the Seth Rogen, Michelle Gondry one. It's going to be a gritty reboot because people oh, still like to Dark Knight things nowadays. Why? It's just it's it's what happens. I mean, I think that they they did an honourable attempt with mm. the Green Hornet. They tried to get that tone because it's Why? got to have a little bit more kind of level, kind of levity to it. But thing I because money, Van. Because money. The thing I always remember about the Green Hornet was that uh, in the in the sixties, mm. when the series ran on ABC, that had uh, Bruce Lee as Cato. Yeah. Uh, because ABC also ran the Adam West Batman series, they did a crossover. Is that uh, where they're like walking up a wall? Uh, no, they had an episode where they teamed up. Oh right, like, I, I, I remember seeing Batman a team and where, like, Cato teamed up with Batman and Robin. Oh right, I, I remember seeing a clip where Batman and Robin are like grapple. Grappling like up a wall, and then maybe Kate some maybe Green Hornet just like episode, look know. out of a window, and it's like, oh, could entirely be the same. <laughs> but uh, the thing I always remember as well about um, the Nicholas Cage almost being the villain yeah. thing was that uh, he apparently uh, was told to go away because he insisted on doing it in a Jamaican accent. Which I mean, we've just been de- the world has been denied. The world clearly has been robbed yeah. of a great. And instead, we had Bane. Well, let's yeah. let's stick with Nicholas Cage then. And Let's talk, do it, yeah. talk, talk about segue. Dog Eat Dog, yeah. um, which reunites him with Paul Schrader, uh, a.k.a. the writer of Taxi Drivers, he'd like to be referred That's to. That's going to be on his grave, isn't it? It's on the poster for this. Yeah. And you said, I think it's been on every poster for every yeah. film he's ever made. To which you think, he did other things. He has done many, many other things. But Why is he still driver. just the writer of Taxi Driver? But yeah, so this is a brilliant team-up. Nicholas Cage and Willem Dafoe. Not Willem Defriend, Willem Dafoe. Exactly. And boy, is he a foe. So, this opens with uh, this brilliant sequence in which Willem Dafoe, um, under the influence of countless substances, takes refuge in his... Uh, I'll just say one of his casual fun buddies uh, abodes. That's a very PC way of uh, putting it. Only for her to return home in a bad mood and give him grief... <laughs> And be brutally murdered as a result, and I do mean brutally murdered, mm. along with her teenage daughter as well. And it is this wonderful scene of uh, just satirical misogyny. 
It is this horribly chauvinistic, sexist, misogynistic scene, but it seems to have been done for satire. And you think, oh, wow, we're in for a treat there. What follows, then, is an attempt by Willem Dafoe's character, uh, Nicolas Cage's character, another actor who I forget, sort of an unknown, the three of them who were all ex-cons, to kidnap and ransom a baby, only for the plan to go horribly wrong when they accidentally shoot the man who's supposed to be paying the ransom whilst they're conducting the kidnapping. Well, this sounds like a fun time. Exactly. Here's a clip. There was me, Troy. There was Mad Dog. And there was Diesel. See, people pretty much can't stand Mad Dog. And I get it. I do. But what you got to understand is... I know this guy in a very particular way. I barely knew Mad Dog, but he knew my parole was coming up, and he took his fall from me. He just did it, like that. And so somebody like that, you owe a lifetime. This film doesn't particularly ever shy away from the darker, more brutal aspects of its own story. It is based on apparently quite a well-received novel. Um, the problem with it really is it seems to have no consistency whatsoever to literally any element of itself. So Nicolas Cage, for instance, is having another one of those days where he's decided to go off the reservation. This character doesn't stay the just same. Just a Thursday, for, isn't it? Just a really? Thursday yeah. for Mr. Cage. Um, there's a whole prolonged sequence in which he decides to uh, carry on disguising his voice as Humphrey Bogart's, and he does the worst <laughs> Humphrey Bogart impression you've ever heard, and it carries on for about 15 minutes. You yeah. can't quite figure out why. Um, Willem Dafoe is the shining star of it. He gets the best, easily the meat of it all. Um, the problem is really all on Schrader's end. Now, his direction is fantastic. There's some great visuals in there, but his writing just doesn't quite seem to, to rein it in at any mm. point. He doesn't find a through line. He doesn't find any consistency, and as a result, the story is kind of all over the show, and for most of the time, you're not actually sure quite what the hell it is you're watching. And that's a shame given the calibre of the talent involved, given that it's Willem Dafoe, given that it's Nicolas Cage, given that it's Paul Schrader. The three of those people together should be something genuinely amazing. Mm. It isn't. It is a letdown, and you're never quite sure what it is trying to achieve. If those three you just names were connected failed. to a film 25 years ago... Amazing. It'd be an amazing film, wouldn't yeah. it? But, as I say, I don't know what it was trying to do. All I know is... It didn't succeed in doing it. Can I just end with a not not some news, but Go just it's, it's some things about about Cage. Um, he likes to make films. He does. He likes to make a lot of films. He has got five films in post production <laughs> coming out just next year. Has he indeed? <laughs> yeah. Well, my, we... my my favorite one uh, has the title of Southern Fury. Oh uh, my god! A southern mobster attempts to rescue his kidnapped brother, and I think that that brother is played uh, by uh, by John Cusack. Oh, my so, God. Because John Cusack is just... He's going into Nick Cage. He, he is. And they have starred together. Frozen Ground? Frozen Ground. Yeah. They starred in Frozen Ground together. That's it. But, uh, yeah, so we don't forget, though, we have got another two Nicolas Cage's, Cage movies to review in the next month. Oh. So It's just... It's been a great couple of years. It, it has. Yeah. It, the, the, the Rage and Cage is in full swing. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. So, uh, let's do indignation, do some news, finish the top ten. What do you think? I think that's, that's a good I, I ten minutes. That sounds like a plan. That sounds like a plan. Like a plan. So, let's indignation. Because it turns out that Philip Roth adaptations are like buses. You don't see one for ages and then two come along at once. Yeah. 
And so we had American Pastoral last week, which Ewan McGregor managed to sink by miscasting himself. Um, is it in the top ten this week? It's not, is it? I can't see it. No, Maybe it was number it. 11. Let's, Maybe. Let's, let's, let's say it. Um, well, it's not going to appeal to anyone. I don't think anyone's actually going to see American Pastoral. Um, but now you've got Indignation. And this is this this is a year earlier than the novel is a year earlier than American Pastoral. Um, this stars Logan Lerman, which makes me very happy because I'm a big fan of Logan Lerman, as you may recall. I don't know if we have had the Logan Lerman conversation. I don't think we have, but I I won't call myself a big fan, but I like him. He's I wanted right. him to be Spider Man. He would have been a great. He would have been, wouldn't he? About five years ago. Oh no, I was thinking about for like Civil War. How old is he? He's twenty four. He's, he's too old. He's twenty four. That's too old. That's too old this day and age. Andrew, I mean, it's not Tobey Maguire. <laughs> Andrew Garfield's my age. Still too old. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. never mind. But, yeah, so Logan Lerman and Sarah Gadon and Tracy Letts, an actor I adore. Oh, hey. You remember, yeah. we were talking about him recently with, uh, what was the Daniel Radcliffe uh, Nazi movie? Uh, Imperium. Imperium, that was yeah. the one, yeah. Where he was the sort of Glenn Beck type uh, mm. character. The trio combined in this one for, uh, this is the say, this is the story of uh, Marcus Mesner, who is a young Jewish American, because this is a, a Philip Roth novel, and his novels are literally always about 1950s and 60s young Jewish Americans. So this time, his young Jewish American lead goes to college. That's, that's the plot of it. <laughs> that's like an Ernest film. <laughs> <kind of sense>. <laughs> <laughs> Philip Roth presents The Young Jewish, Jewish American. American. Saves Christmas. <laughs> That's how it works. Goes to camp. <laughs> exactly. What was the uh, what was the one? There was a basketball one, wasn't there? Oh. <laughs> there, oh, there was a. Ba- I am Ernest, on IMDb. <laughs> it was an Ernest basketball movie, and I can't remember the title. I, I remember it as well. Do do okay, the review. I'll look this. it up. Right. I'm so on, he goes to college where he do meets it. a young girl, and he finds he he leaves home because his parents are overbearing. He's living under the shackles of of their parentage. Goes to college to discover life for himself, only to discover that moving out into the world on your own brings with it a whole new set of shackles, mm. basically institutional ones, and he has to overcome those. At the same time, he begins this relationship with Sarah Gadon's character, who is a, a mysterious yet kind of precocious but unnerving. Young Young woman, and it all comes to a head. We have a clip. Thank you for talking to me. If I talk to you again, maybe you won't have to stand under my window all the time. Oh. <clears throat> um. <laughs> I, uh. Ah, uh, you know, it's funny. I don't actually know which window is yours. I'm on the third floor on the left facing the quad, just for the record. I rarely see you looking up. If you're not a peeping Tom, what's the point? Because it just makes me feel as if, uh, like I'm making sure you're okay. Oh, Marcus, I'm fine. It's you I'm worried about. So Sarah got on there with Logan Lerman, and uh, first of all, I'm a very big fan of both of those. I, I'm, I I like Logan Lerman very much. Have done since Percy Jackson of all things, where I thought mm. actually this young kid's got uh, got some, some charisma. It could have been a pretty good franchise. Yeah. I, I do think it's a shame that franchise died when, died on the vine when it did. Yeah. Um, Sarah Gadon is just an up and comer now. She really is. Yeah. What's she been in recently? Let's have a look. Um, recently. Oh, the ninth life of uh, Louis uh, Drax. Drax. Yes, she was very good in that as well. Um, I always remember her from... uh, What was the one with the Queen and her sister going off? Uh, A Royal Night Out. A Royal Night Out, Mm. that was it. I thought she was quite good in that. Um, This is an obscenely well-performed film. The problem with it, and this is James Seamus, um, who's responsible for writing a lot of films, not so much for directing. I think this is actually his directorial debut. Debut, He is an Oscar-nominated writer. 
He he got an Oscar nomination for writing Crouching Tiger of all things. He's been nominated for three Oscars. For three, okay, oh, yeah. fair enough. Um, so it's it's understandable then that mm. this film benefits more on the page than it does on the screen. This is a problem that seems to be systemic of Philip Roth adaptations. Full stop. Which is, whereas American Pastor at least had the sort of mystery aspect, this doesn't. This is very much just a coming of age character piece. And the problem is, we've seen Logan Lerman do it before. Um, we've seen a Philip Roth adaptation recently with American Pastoral, and this, frankly isn't that gripping a film. It's charming enough to distract you from the fact that you're not particularly gripped, mm. but it's still quite a stagnant affair. It's very much... The, if you, if I, I don't know how to phrase this. The typical representation of what happens when you adapt classic American literature. A you get lo- something like this. You get yeah. that. Where the dialogue is kind... It kind of trails off, and it's meant to be poignant, but then it comes back on itself and tries to be poignant in a slightly different way, yeah. and then carries on trailing something off. something we've seen before, and there's... Just stuck around. To put it in context, it's the kind... This is the kind of film Brian Griffin would love. If you can imagine <laughs> such a thing. I think this is the kind of film that Brian Griffin would love to tell people he's seen, but probably but not has actually not seen. seen. Yeah, that's very much the problem with it. And I, uh, it's a shame, is I really liked, I really, really enjoyed the performances. I just don't, Jane Seamus is not to br- really bringing it behind the camera. He's kind of focusing on mm. on, on the page. But, and that's a shame for me. Right then, I have some news about uh, the murder on the Oriental Express. The Oriental Express, did you say? I meant to say Oriental Express, <laughs> but I said Oriental, so I'm sticking with it. Well, you know what? It's it's a remake, so they might change the title. We don't know. Just put an A and an L there. <laughs> an A and an L? I can't you're talk not, today. You're not on fire today. I'm really not. So, go on. I've, what, I've made no segues today. It's been rubbish. Yeah, where's the segueing? I'm, I'm going to work up to one. Paul Blartmore cop be very disappointed in you. So, um, <laughs> so go on. What's new with the Orient Express now? It's got a, a new cast member. Ooh. I like, it. I like it when it gets, gets oh, cast yeah. members. Because this cast is incredible already. Who have we got so far? We've got... So we've got Johnny Depp. Yep, we've got Johnny Depp. We got, he's the victim, though. He is. He he's plays the Ratchets. Yes. Yeah. yeah so he, he's going to be briefly in the beginning. Yeah, and then well, he's going to get one the, uh, the suspects on the train. So, uh, Daisy Ridley. I like cool. Daisy She's Ridley. got, like, loads of films coming out yeah. now. It's fantastic. Uh, Kenneth Branagh himself is playing um, Hercule Poirot. Uh, he's also directing, obviously. Yep, uh, Judy Dench. Uh, your boy, uh, Michael Peña. Ah, uh, yes. Josh Gad, which I didn't... Yes, I, I didn't realize. know about Josh yeah, Gad either. They just kind of snuck him on. Uh, Leslie Odom Jr. from Hamilton, he's really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Derek Jacobi, because Kenneth Branagh, best <laughs> yeah. friends. Uh, Michelle Papafer, did I say that? Michelle Papafer? <laughs> you mean, uh, what's her name? Mrs. David E. Kelly. You yeah. You mean Mrs. David E. Kelly. Mrs. David yeah. E. Kelly, yeah. Mrs. David E. Kelly, or a.k.a. Michelle Papafer. Yeah. Five. Yeah. Okay. But now we have Penelope Cruz. Do you know who never gets mentioned in that cast? Well, Lucy Boynton is, on that, is in that cast as well. Uh, oh, from yeah, Sing course, Street, yeah. yeah, she's in there yeah. as well. Um, so, do I, I? I read this, but they didn't say who Penelope Cruz was going to play, and it still doesn't. It, it just still doesn't. she's officially in the cast. But uh, even so, that's pretty good. She's, that is pretty good. She, she's big enough. This is a big cast. Did man. you know what she's filming at the moment? You're gonna, this, you're gonna love this. If you don't it's gonna know, blow my mind. It's gonna blow your mind. Is she doing something with uh, Pedro Almodovar? No, no. She is oh. making a film with her hubby, with uh, Mr. Bardem. Yes. They are making, and I think the title will tell you what this film is, the title is Escobar. I'm going to be first in line to Yeah, I will be first. I'm there. I'm sold. There's a Pablo Escobar movie with Javier Bardem? (laughs) Hopefully a good one. (laughs) Hopefully a good one. (laughs) Listen to the turn of my voice, Benicio Del Toro. (laughs) Oh, yes. You have no idea. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was the one with Benicio that we watched recently? Uh, Paradise Lost. That was the one with the uh, Josh Hutchison. Peter Bird. 
from Hunger Games. Yes, Peter Brad. Yeah, Peter yeah. Brad. yeah. yeah. Uh, let's let's finish the top ten then. Number five, a street crack named Bob. A <laughs> street crack named Bob. No, wrong drug. Uh, Sadly, wrong drug. Well, no. I I couldn't fit that yeah. pun in. <laughs> so this is the family friendly comedy about heroin withdrawal with a cat. Yeah, and uh, that's the official uh, tagline. I, I think I think that should be the poster quote. <laughs> if if they'd let us give a poster quote, and uh, they should have, it yeah. would have been a family friendly movie. It's it's the best family movie about heroin withdrawal you're going to mm. see this year. I think I think that's by default. Yeah, by default. Um, the cat's funny, and uh, Luke Treadaway's perfectly likable. Rudy Get Mindus is sort of implausible, so he's supposed to be from Sheffield, but uh, likable enough still. Um, you like the movie, even though you know you are being pandered to. You know it's condescending. You know it's cloy. You know it's mawkish. You know it is sickeningly rotten at its core. But It's got a cat. It's got a little cute cat. And that cat is very charming, and I'm okay with that, to be honest. Number four. The Accountant. <laughs> the Accountant. <laughs> well, how much How much has The Accountant made, just out of interest? Let's have a look. £2,970,027. <laughs> so The Accountant is pulling in some money, at least. <laughs> That's good to know. Uh, this is Ben Affleck playing Spock uh, with the abilities of Jason Bourne. And it's goofy, and it's gormless. But it's fun, yeah. and I like that. And apparently, Gavin O'Connor's gotten a new job out of it because he's got a uh, Green Hornet. Yes, he? that was the other part of my yeah. news for Green Hornet. Thank you very much. And, uh, I'm terrible at my job. Yeah, so Gavin O'Connor's. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. It just looks like every. It looks like every one of the films it's borrowed its best bits from. What so, the accountant? Yeah. Mm. So like films like Haywire and things like that. Like it just. It well, it's got like an that. entire third act from Haywire, wasn't it? <laughs> that uh, that house in the snow. Yeah. yeah, the siege in the house on the sn- in the snow. That one, it's got that down yeah. to a T. And you know what? Gavin O'Connor at least knows to just go for the fun, and you will at least distract people into not caring. Number three, trolls or trolls, depending on who you are. <laughs> well, I liked it. In fact, before we started recording, we saw the video music video for. Yeah, uh, just, was that, was that the first time you've seen it? I've not seen it before. I don't watch music television. Neither do I. I'm in my thirties. I found Justin Timberlake. Bloody charm. I have CNN on more often than I have any kind of music channel. It's uh, saccharin, it's fattening, it is just sugary to the point mm. of diabetes. But you know what? It's likable enough, and it's got this sort of it's, it's this catchy. uncompromising sunny desk disposition yeah. that will wear you down to the point that you just... You come out of the film just glazed over being, you know, <laughs> Duff beer for me, Duff beer for you. <laughs> It's very much that kind of film. I like the voice cast. I like the songs. I I I, I liked it. I, I can't really say it. I, I liked it. Number two. Dormammu. Have you come to bargain? <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Strange has slipped off the top spot. Wow. It has, but you know what? It's had two weeks. It's made a lot of money. It continues to make a lot of money in America. Oh, I think it'll be it'll be making money for a couple of months to come. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those Marvel films where it's not going to hit a billion, but if it goes over, like, 600, we're happy. I, I think, to be honest, it'll make Ant-Man money. Um, I think that's what it's projected yeah, at. Maybe just a little Ant-Man bit over. Movie. Like that, that opening weekend was its real big news. It was, story. It was, it was a it, solid opening weekend. It really was. Um, and that's the thing. It is. A, it, it's one of those films that actually, in a strange way, embodies everything good and bad about Marvel at the same mm. time. Namely, they can bring you a good cast. They can bring you a great cast. They've got enough clout now. Exactly. They can write a great by-the-numbers superhero movie. They will take a a, a story that's relatively by-the-numbers, but they will write the heck out of it. Mm. Unfortunately, it is by-the-numbers. And 
that really is the downside of it. You do kind of know which twists and turns it has to take, and by the end of it, you think, okay, I want to be surprised now, so let's just see him with the other characters that we can get. Let's see what happens when he meets Iron Man and Thor mm. and Captain America. And that's what we have to wait for. The film we don't have to wait too, uh, too long, though. But no, we have to wait until, uh, is it next year? Is it never? 20, 2018. 20, oh, oh, no, apparently uh, Ra- it's going to be in Ragnarok, yeah. which is just next year, November. Yeah. So we haven't got long to wait. We'll get to see it. And that's the thing, Cumberbatch is very likeable in this, even though he's got that daft accent. I don't really like Cumberbatch. I loved him in this. Number one. Arrival, new entry. Did you have the pleasure of this at the weekend, Major? Uh, no, it is uh, it's the one film that I want to go see above any other film. I kind of now. envisioned you just running out on Sunday afternoon and catching this. No, um, I, I was sadly busy on Sunday. Well, um, this is actually an astonishingly well put together film. Yeah. Um, it, having said that, you kind of expect it from Denis Villeneuve. Um, it is adaptation of a 40 page short story blown out to just under two hours without feeling over expanded. With managing to feel completely insightful, managing to feel well-explored, well-defined, well-imagined, and well-realised. It is absolutely wonderful, cerebral science fiction that manages to somehow combine the concepts of contact and sphere, and then smack Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner in the middle of it. And Jeremy Renner, who, let's be honest, is kind of always a bridesmaid, never a bride of actors. <laughs> he is, isn't he? He's not yeah, a star. Absolutely. He's not a star. Well, he's he's a great supporting star. You just have to look star. at the... Jason Bourne franchise. Yeah. Look at the Mission Impossible franchise. And I, I love it. I thought it was great. I I think it's genuinely one of the best science fiction movies in years. I think it's yeah. a better movie than Interstellar. And Interstellar had Christopher Nolan behind it. So make it Yeah, that- but it also had Murph 79 <laughs> times. <laughs> it did. Murph! Murph! With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. Have you heard the news about Jeremy Renner? Oh, 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 uh, this is this Mission Impossible 6 thing we're all about. It is yeah, indeed. Yeah. Uh, a potential uh, clash of uh, schedules, unfortunately, means that he may not be in uh, Mission Impossible 6. Because oh, he's Hawkeye. Because yeah. he's Hawkeye, because of uh, uh, Infinity War, when we're going to be shooting stuff. It says that it's not It's going to take a year, confirmed. isn't it? It's like most of the next year is Infinity War for him. Essentially, yeah. Because uh, are they shooting both films Both back films back? arguing yeah. back to Infinity back, War yeah. and then whatever the last one's going to be called. Because it's not going to be yeah. part two, is it? Well, it is going to be a sequel and a follow but I think it's going to be a mostly kind of a fallout movie. Essentially, yeah, yeah I believe so. But um, yeah, maybe uh, without Hawkeye, or maybe Hawkeye will just be in one of them, or yeah, Hawkeye may but die. He has, he which it's going to be most of the year for him. So you think, okay, it's going to be a, a that's lot. That's a big thing. thing yeah. yeah, it's a huge thing. We shall see. We shall. But uh, so no Mission Impossible Six for Jeremy Renner, possibly. Maybe we'll get someone else to join the team, though, because I really love them having a team dynamic. Now. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I think since they instilled that in the last, he could few, do a cameo. He, he could. could just, he could just cameo, couldn't he? Skype. Just get on yeah. Skype. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just just put, put the bow and arrow down so we can't see that. Exactly that. Just uh, do that cameo like Jimmy Carr did in that movie, The Comedian's Guide to Survival, you know, where he didn't actually appear <laughs> <Yeah>. in it. <laughs> He's just seen to be stood in the room. But uh, um, something like that. But the weird thing, that means Jeremy Renner might have gone two for two with being hired to yep. replace a star and then winding up being replaced by exactly. that exact Always star. Always bridesmaid, never the film star. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's kind of weird because Jason Bourne and now this, and just yeah. it's not. But Jason good. Bourne wasn't great, so maybe he dodged a bullet. It's not, but it made some money. There's going to be. A, it did make some money. There's going to be a Bourne six. There will be a Jason reborn again. Exactly, but uh, yeah. poor Jeremy Renner. <laughs> 
poor, poor John, Jeremy Renner. Poor Jeremy Renner. I mean, he'd come so far since that Angel episode he did. But <laughs> oh, yeah. he, he was a villain in an Angel episode. Yeah, and then he was in The Hurt Locker. Uh, he was, yeah, and then The Hurt Locker sort of changed it all for him. Do you know what film I think he's really great in? Go on. The Town. I like him in The Town. I really like, I feel like The Town. Do you know what film I like him in? And you're going to hate that? me for this, because it is, it is a schlocky film. I, I, I love the schlock. Right. Swat. It is a shock. I like him I, I as the villain. I forgot he was even in that. Because he's the villain, isn't he? Yeah. I like him as the villain in SWAT. I think he's quite good. I can imagine but, being a pretty uh, good villain. Yeah. Well, also because that, that film has inverse uh, inverse casting, where Colin Farrell's the lead, but should have been the villain. Jeremy yeah. Renner should have been the lead, but he's the villain. So, yeah, and I'm, Sam Jackson's there. Because, and, and then because Sam it's Jackson's, a film. It has also film. got like, that moment that I absolutely love, in which What's LL that? Cool J just pops up out from behind something, cocks a shotgun and says the words, tell daddy how you want it. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies love Cool James. Ladies do love Cool <laughs> James. Do. Okay, tell me about the Stooges documentary, Gimme Danger. Okay, so Jim, this is the thing. So, uh, like uh, Philip Roth adaptations, it turns out Jim Jarmusch is like buses as well. He is um, indeed. <laughs> yeah, because we've got another Jim, Jim Jarmusch, Jarmusch film <laughs> in the next couple of movies, isn't it? Uh, yeah, the Adam Driver one, what's it called? Patterson. 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 Where he is a bus driver. <laughs> He's a bus driver. Oh, <laughs> yeah. fair enough. Um, well, the first and foremost, he's directed this documentary about the Stooges. So about basically the rise of Iggy Pop, as it were, yeah. because the Stooges are credited as having changed the music industry, even though they never quite explain how. Um, and Iggy Pop is now Iggy Pop as a result of this. So, um, well, we have a clip. We ready? We are in an undisclosed location interrogating Jim Osterberg about the Stooges. The greatest rock and roll band ever. Iggy and the Stooges reinvented music as we know it. We weren't like the other bands. A feeling come over you with this great sound that we're making. And sometimes I would just hammer on my guitar. I just started jumping up and down like baboons do before they're going to fight. As soon as I started doing that... I will say this, it's it's never less than entertaining seeing through Iggy Pop, is it? <laughs> I mean, unless it's a car ad. <laughs> unless it's a car ad. Um, this is the, the strange thing about this is it's um, it's something that the documentary doesn't particularly concern itself with the influence of the Stooges. It's more entirely about the Stooges. It does tell you about their inception, their rise, and really sort of where they are today. I mean, they do keep reforming, don't they, the Stooges? In some variation. In, in variation, yeah. but in, through, through mainly the festival circuit, I they do the, get back together. the guitarist, the guitarist I best play, passed away a few years ago. Well, they've lost three over the years. They've oh, lost yeah. three members of the band yeah. over the years, and they've replaced some and gained others. Yeah. But Iggy has always obviously been the face. That's it. I mean, the thing about it mainly is you are somewhat mystified as to why Jim Jarmusch in particular is doing this, because it's not a very Jim Jarmusch film. There are some lively visuals to it all, but other than that, you can't quite figure out why, other than it simply being a meh, I like mm. the Stooges yeah, sort of Yeah, this is only a second doc as well. Yeah, I yeah. found that. But uh, it is a film that you do sit there and think... I feel like this just belonged in a Legends of Rock box set. This it, it has the feel of a VH1 true behind the music sort of a documentary. It's not quite like Supersonic was. It's not quite like uh, Amy was. And we do have a different caliber of music doc now. And this mm. is kind of a problem that's going to arise. Having said that, it's light years ahead of that Stone Roses one for a few years ago. Which oh, is was that made of stone? Made of stone, which is my go-to what, for what crappy is your, what's music. What's your favorite music doc? 
my favourite music doc. Well, is, is it Live Forever? It is Live Forever. We've had it that. It is good. Yeah. It is good. It's such a good documentary. Yeah. I, I love like um, uh, some kind of monster. You see oh, Metallica I like one. that. Oh, but it's just great. Like you can show that to someone who absolutely hates Metallica, and they will really, really. Enjoy it, it is. It's a great because I think because none of the people involved in that have none of the people in Metallica seem to have much of a problem of being presented in an unlikable context. Yeah. Now, to be fair to the members of the Stooges, they have a very similar sort of idea. <laughs> Iggy Pop, in particular, seems to know that he's mental. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he's, he's a lot he's a friend about it. Plan, he's yeah. a friend about it. He's fine. I didn't realise, for instance, by the way, um, the, the whole shirtless thing that he does. Do you know why he does that? What that actually comes from? No, but I don't think I've ever seen him with a shirt. On. I've, I've seen him with a jacket on. Yeah, I've never seen him with a shirt. a shirt. Yeah, I've seen yeah, him with a jacket with no shirts. Yeah. The reason he doesn't wear a shirt, in his own words, according to this documentary, is because he wants to ape the uh, the Egyptian pharaohs of the old movies. And we are shown right. a clip of a movie he watched starring Yul Brynner as the as the sort of shirtless pharaoh, okay. and that's where he took the that's idea where from. It's come from. So if anything else on this documentary, we now we've got an answer. Well, that's we've it because that. I, I'm I'm always the one who says when a documentary doesn't particularly inform me of anything I didn't know before. Now, it's, as far as this goes, actually, you do learn an awful lot that you may well not have known before, and I'd call that quite a triumph. It works <laughs> as infotainment in the truest form. It is entertaining and it is quite funny. It is genuine. There are times you will laugh out loud. Pop is a really funny guy, but the rest of the band as well. Who mm. seem to have? They seem to have a, a, a strangely upbeat acceptance of the fact that they are second stringers, that they are the sidekicks, and yet they're totally up about it. They're, they're very yay, you know, we're, we're the second stringers, but we're Iggy Pop second stringers, <laughs> and we're all the Stooges, yes. And I kind of like that about it. It, it. There was something refreshingly earnest about it. The problem was, it just didn't. It, there was nothing about Jim Jarmusch anywhere on there. You can't figure out why he's done it. Hmm. It is a sort of mystifying project in that way. It's not a Jim Jarmusch yeah. film in any sense. I don't know sense. what his relationship with the Stooges or Iggy Pop is. Like Seems to be quite friendly and affectionate. Yeah, I, I have just seen a film, um, not seen a film, just seen a photo of her just like together, looking <laughs> each other. So, so yeah. Well, it's, it's not our film of the week anyway. So do you want to oh, give me sure, a bit yeah. of news and then we'll, we'll round up? What do you want for me? Just a little bit. Okay, so we did, a while ago, this is, we uh, were talking about the Janis Joplin film. Mm. Janis Joplin biopic. And, um, it was reported that Michelle Williams. Was Michelle Williams, yeah, I remember. Um, she that's going to be her next film. She is indeed going to be oh, uh, Janice Joplin. Because you were disappointed it wasn't Amy Adams, weren't you? Yeah, I kind of felt like that was that was going to be it for Amy Adams. That was that was the film. <laughs> that was going to walk the line. As Absolutely, it were. yeah. But um, I'm happy with that. I really, really love Michelle Williams. I can't wait to see her in um, uh, Manchester by the Sea. Yeah, that's gotten rave reviews, hasn't it? Yeah, I can't wait to see that but, film. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. Well, film of the week then. Mm. I think. I think I'm gonna as much as I hate to do it, I think it's Fantastic Beasts, isn't it? It's got to be Fantastic Beasts. In a str- I think it's because it's the all-rounder of everything this week. Yeah. It's a very divisive week. I think Fantastic Beasts is the all-rounder. Everyone's seeing it anyway. Yeah, it's just going to be a good time in a packed cinema on Friday. Well, this, by the time this goes out, it'll have made all the money yeah. already, because I think you know, the midnight screens are all sold out. So, you know what? If you're a Harry Potter fanatic, you are going to adore this regardless of what we tell you about it. Um, if you're, you know... <laughs> why, why even listen to us? Like, why pay it? attention but uh, yeah so i mean uh, well next week's an interesting one anyway. what have we got on the docket so <laughs> oh, what do we have well next week is the sequel i have been dying for next week sees the return of willie smoke <laughs> yes. yes i know 
Bad Santa 2 is next week. Just in time for Christmas. Just in time for, well, the end of November or mid-November. Which is when all the Christmas films seem to come out, <laughs> exactly. weirdly. Uh, Patterson, that's next week. Um, Jim Jamoosh, yeah. yeah. Jim Jamoosh. He's in like a bus. And Adam Driver. Yeah. Um, Allied is next week. Brad Pitt, Marianne Cotillard. Yeah, I'm... Very I'm quiet really release. It is, Very yeah. Quiet, isn't it? There's some bus ads, but I've not just don't really hear about it otherwise. There's one trailer, isn't there? There's a if I know it was free. There's, oh, there's three there's now. A teaser, the first one, and then yeah. the last one where it was like, oh, here's the plot of our film. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Oh, there is the like. uh, there's the Usain Bolt documentary. I am Bolt next week. I'm looking forward to that just because he is great. He is. There is Magnus, which I confess I don't know an awful lot about. No, I don't know. There is Mum's List with Rafe Spall next week. Uh, we also have, and this is because this is one that's been quite widely advertised, particularly on the underground, um, a United Kingdom with yeah. uh, Rosamund Pike, Pike, David O'Yellow, David O'Yellow, and Romani Malco, who's an actor I like, despite the fact that he stars in some complete rubbish. Uh, Romani Malco leads the cast of Almost Christmas next week. I so, didn't realise I saw the poster for that and didn't realise that was him. <laughs> it is him. It is Romani Malco. So, of uh, 40 year old virgin fame. Of 40 year old virgin yeah. fame, because, yeah. Putting the P on a pedestal. Yes, putting the P on a pedestal, as mm. you do. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. This has been a Candy Store production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been, as always, Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Podcast extras there, Mr. Connor. Have you heard of a game called Minecraft? I have heard of a game. Now, hang on, because there's toys. There's like Lego sets and that have come from the video. Yeah, game. and this is this is the blocky world building game, isn't it? Yeah, well, everything is blocks. <laughs> everything but is not, blocks. not not Lego, but not Lego. Yeah. Right, okay. Different type of blocks. Video oh, blocks. Hang on, hang on. There's a movie coming, and there it's is. the dude from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, that's making Mac. Yeah, Mac. Von, Mac from, yeah. McAnally. Yes. Or however you pronounce Ma- his name. Mac Mac McElhinney? Something like... Ma- let's, call him Mac. let's call him let's Mac, call him because that's how Mac I know and love him. Um, yeah, he is making it. He's going to be uh, the filmmaker behind it. Yeah, which is writing and directing, which is not sure. Yeah, but, but apparently he's he's been a big fan of the game for years and years. Do I know? Um, they have a star now, apparently. Oh, have I did hear this, this, and it's mental. Steve Carell. I know. Like Last person I would... Well, maybe not the last person. Is this going to be an animated film? might have the last person. It is going to be animated. Oh, it is going to be animated? Yeah. Okay, I can kind of yeah. see that, I suppose. Yeah, so he's going to be voicing, or... That's, but it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because it's a, it's a video game that has no, like, linear narrative. No, no, it does now. It, it does oh, now, uh, yeah, yeah. Did, There is a new now, version yeah. okay. of Minecraft. Um, I, I don't know what... I think it's something like Minecraft Story Mode or something. <sighs> and the reason I know this is so, because... So if the film is going to be taking that as a jumping-off point, I then, presume, or? or it could just be something like the Lego movie, where it's... Where they just create a cool create story. A story. Yeah, yeah. But there's a, it's in South Park. There's a, a gag poster in the background, like Minecraft narrative or something. Mm. Either we still yeah. got all of our pop culture news from either South Park or something. <laughs> yes. more, more South Park nowadays. <laughs> we clearly are men of a certain age. Yeah. Case. <laughs> but yeah, Steve Carell, I, I'm a big fan of Steve Carell. I am as well. Yeah, like, just whenever I see that he's going to be in a film, I'm, I'm pretty happy about well, that. I've, I've really missed him since The Office finished. You know, all those years ago, when The Office finished, and 
Because now it seems like we seem so see so little. He is in films, but yeah. because those films are what twice a year at best, it seems like we see three times little. They've been quite varied. Like yeah. it used to be that he was just a comedy guy, and then he was in Foxcatcher, which I thought was a tremendous. I did the Woody Allen one recently. Did, uh, Cafe uh, Society, yeah, Cafe of Society, course, yeah. yeah. And then he still just pops up and just random. F- he was in that. Uh, what was that Mel Streep? Um, oh, Hope Springs. Hope Springs. Hope I was going to say Hope Floats, but it's yeah. not. It's Hope Springs. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was uh, the counselor in that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm on board with anything Steve Carell wants to be. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. yeah. Also, cool. he does have a pedigree for animation because Gru. So, of course, although I feel like Gru is just not even a character people think about nowadays, just after the minions exploded. Well, I mean, there is a Despicable Me 3 coming, and it is about Gru again, so yeah. uh, we shall see on that one. Isn't Trey Parker voicing the villain? Yeah, Trey Parker's the villain, yeah. See, I may actually see it now. <laughs> But oh yeah, because you have that whole anti minions thing, don't you? Yeah. Um, so didn't, I I didn't bought I bought a box of yeah yeah yeah. I don't like it. You don't I, like it. I bought a box of cereal the other day in B and M and uh, bought it. Took took sell sugar puffs if, and in case you were wondering. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I didn't realize on front of a box it was like sponsored by minions and there were like oh. giant minions on my sugar. <laughs> I'm a 27 year old man, but I can have sugar puffs down here. And I had minions on there. It was just I, I wanted to throw it away. <laughs> Uh, I'm, all, I'm all about the Cocoa Pops. You can't write anything on the Cocoa Maybe Pops. I should have just stuck to Cocoa Pops. <laughs> or just plain Cheerios. Oh, I'm trying to think what else is in the film news this week. Oh, did we, we talk about... We did loads, we so. talk about Aaron Eckhart? Uh, no, we have not. And I will let you break this news, because you broke it to me. Yeah. It broke my heart. Aaron Eckhart <laughs> is not going to return for Angel Has Fallen. That sucks. Not terrible, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, Olympus Has Fallen He's, 3. The president's not going to be there. Yeah. The, the president has fallen. The president has fallen, it seems. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it, it would be great if just he was replaced with, like, Nick Nolte. Oh, Or just God. someone much older, and the president literally just falls. It's Gary Busey. It's Gary Busey. <laughs> the, the film was just called The President Has Fallen. They, they literally just the get stairs. Gary Busey to turn up and improv it. And that's the new president. It's <laughs> <laughs> just Gerard Buller sat on the plane, just... Oh, by the Head way, his hands. By, by the way, because this bit doesn't go out on radio, I'm gonna, I, yep. got, I gotta tell you, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna ruin it for you. I am mm. just gonna t- just tease you slightly by telling you there is a cameo that you might have known about in advance, but it's Gary Busey in Fantastic no, no, Beasts, but have probably forgotten in Fantastic Beasts. Uh, it's not Gary Busey. It is someone amazing though, and someone of Gary Busey level. In terms of sheer awesomeness, yes. Okay. Don't spoil it, then. But I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to tell you there is someone that's going to blow your mind. It's only a little thing. It's only a little, like, middle-of-the-film thing. Blink and you'll miss it uh, kind of a cameo? A bit longer than that, but... If you have your eyes closed for 30 seconds, and you'll miss it, cameo. It, it is It is an animated character. It is an animated character. Oh, no, no, it's an animated character with a, a you know, star voice behind it. You're like, I had no idea. Oh, okay. I had no idea. Wow. But, so uh, quite a recognisable voice, then. Recognisable voice and a recognisable face because they've made it look like, look like the, the person. Interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, um, I've I've got a little bit of the news, and we'll go to uh, uh, your name. Okay. So, um, Ocean's Eight we've got coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's currently being shot in New York. It's Sandra filming because there's pictures out at the minute. There's like set photos keep keep appearing. Obviously. Yeah, there's loads of pictures of Sandra Bullock and Carte Blanche. Yeah, just like in, in nice, nice dresses. Yeah, yeah. just looking absolutely fabulous. <laughs> they just look like they're lunching. <laughs> Every time I see a set photo, it just looks like Sandy and Kate have gone lunching. We're just going for sushi. That's it. Yeah. yeah, and if that was the plot, I think I'd be okay with that. <laughs> You'd be cool with it, wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to steal five pounds of salmon nigiri. <laughs> That'd be amazing. The grand heist of the foie gras. (laughs) (laughs) 
That's a, that's a Wes Anderson film. That's gonna make come that, that absolutely sounds like a Wes Anderson film. Absolutely, it? yeah. Isn't he? You told me he's doing an animated film about dogs. About dogs. Did you tell me that Set last week? Yeah, I, I told you about it last week, and I forgot to bring it into the film news. So do you know, what? I'll talk about it after I've talked. Okay, about go it. on. But um, uh, Matt Damon, who was famously in the Ocean's trilogy, Matt Damon. Sorry. <laughs> I like joke from <laughs> how many years ago? Ten at least. I can't help myself. <laughs> Matt Damon, he says that his character uh, Linus from the original trilogy, yes. uh, he's actually going to make in a cameo. So it is going to be linked. And apparently Sandra Bullock's character is supposed to She's supposed to be Danny's sister. Danny's sister. Danny Ocean's sister. There was, uh, in the original so announcement, cool. it was hoped that they would get Clooney to make a cameo. Yeah. So I wonder if. Matt Damon's filling that. I wonder role. if he's either filling it or if the if he's the placeholder and they'll add Clooney as well later on. I think they could. But um, yeah, I think this is going to be a franchise. And I think so. I'm all right with that. Hey, look on the bright people. side, though. At least Ghost, at least uh, Oceans wasn't popular enough to get the whole Ghostbusters backlash of, you're ruining our saga. I know. <laughs> How dare you put girls in the man's film? <laughs> you chode. Women can do things. <laughs> Except be president. Apparently so, yeah. Uh, pumpkins. Pumpkins can be presidents. Pumpkins can be yeah. presidents. <laughs> Racist, vitriolic, bigoted pumpkins can be presidents. A bag of Cheetos and straw can be presidents. <laughs> yeah. A woman apparently cannot, which is terrifying. Yeah, we said we weren't going to get political. No, okay, that's all right. I'm just... I'm but you know what? F*** it. Let's get a little bit political. If you could cast... <laughs> if you could cast someone as Donald J. Trump, and I can only think that J stands for either d- face or jerk off, who, who would you cast? Gary Busey. Yeah, Gary Busey. That's a good point. Because the new season... Everything of, comes back the, to Busey. That's it. The next season of 24 begins... The, the reboot season 24 begins two weeks after Inauguration Day. Right. Right. Begging the question, why, have, why are they not <laughs> using this time to line Gary Busey up as the new president? I don't know. Although I did see that he is going to be doing a Broadway, Broadway show. He's doing his own musical, isn't he? He's, he's doing uh, Gary Busey Sings the Hits on Broadway. Oh, and that is, that is not a lie. That's a post I saw whilst I was in New York. Oh, oh! did you go to New York case? I hadn't heard. Yeah, I've only told you 50 <laughs> times. <laughs> anyway, enough of you uh, bashing me. Tell me about your name. I'll tell you about your name, but then you'll tell me about that Wes Anderson dog movie after. It um, sounds like a deal. It sounds like a deal to me as yeah. well. Right, so your name, which... Uh, right, this is uh, this is an anime movie. Mm. It follows a similar plot to... Do you remember The Lake House? The Sandra Vaguely, Bullock, yeah. Keanu Reeves thing. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it yeah. Is. yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a famous, uh, I think, Robot Chicken or, or Family Guy sketch where he opens the mailbox and puts his junk inside it. <laughs> Which, yeah, because he totally would have. Um, I enjoy that movie, I actually do. Um, but that's a re- I think that's a remake of a Japanese film, isn't it? I think originally well, Lake, Lake, House. Lake House was a Possibly, remake of a Japanese yeah. film. Um, this is like an animated version of the Lake House, but with a slight twist. Rather than being able to communicate directly with each other, you've got a teenage boy and a teenage girl who wake up um, in you know in different times in each other's bodies. Wow. Yeah, and so you know, but the weird thing is because you have a guy inhabiting a girl's body and vice versa, they start to solve each other's problems. And this is how the film begins. They start to, like, um, she fixes his love life, for instance. And like that, because nice. he has the feminine insight. Yeah. They, they start leaving each other uh, diary entries through, like, a, an app on their phones and things like that. It's a quite intriguing concept. And it all leads up to um, a storyline involving a meteor that's caused this to happen in the first place and a potential event of mass extinction. So Donald Trump. 
it, well, exactly that. Yes, it, it's a, an anime movie about Donald Trump, of course. Um, God, I can imagine how they'd animate that as well. I really can. I can picture it. <laughs> Let's just watch that part. Let's just watch that part, yeah. Um, funny thing about it, when it starts off and it's quite funny and breezy mm. and they're doing the lake house routine, it's very enjoyable and you do quite, quite quickly get into the swing of that. You've then got this midsection in which it goes weirdly into sort of strangely dramatic terrain mm. and it's so tonally at odds with the first third that you're kind of then unsurprised when the final final act veers off entirely into what feels like the plot of armageddon okay. it's armageddon with time travel and this almost doctor strange level of uh pockets of reality and Really, not where you think it's going to go at all, and it is all over the shop. Mm. And it is, it's, it is, it's a good-looking film in the way that all anime movies tend to be quite, you know, visually striking-looking. Which studio is it? Do you know, I don't think it's one of the one of the it's known. A, it's not. It's not a Ghibli. It's not a Ghibli. No, um, I'm trying to remember who the director of this was. It was Makoto Shinkai, whom mm. I did have his page up a moment ago. Hang on, was it known for? Uh, here we are, director of. Garden of Words, remember that? I remember that, yeah. yeah he's Garden of Words. Oh, Judy to Agatha. Yeah, that that's was, right, yeah. There you go. Now, this isn't quite as impressive visually as either of those. I think because it's it's quite... There are two extremes with it, because the girl, for instance, lives in quite a remote, almost seaside-like town, and he lives in the city. Or is it the other way? No, it's that way around, yeah. Um... So you do get a, a bit of variance in the style of it, but it does all feel kind of pedestrian for anime. It does mm. feel a bit, we have seen this before. Having said that, I didn't didn't dislike it. I, the only thing I'd say about it is it went on far, far too long. It was an hour and three quarters long. It, it's pretty long for an animated film. It's I pretty guess, long, yeah. but because of that tonal, uh, tonal shift at every third... It really, really outstayed its welcome in that regard. You kind of wish there'd been a condensed, slightly more streamlined 80-minute version of it that had something more of a through line rather than, here's a rom-com, here's a drama, here's Armageddon with a bit of Doctor Strange. <laughs> Imagine that. But uh, So, Wes Anderson, dog movie. Come on, I held my end of the bargain. Okay. Wes Anderson is making a film about dogs. Sold. Okay. Kind of it. So on to... <laughs> it's going to be uh, stop motion, just like Fantastic... Uh, fantastic Mr. Fox. I was just about to say Fantastic, fantastic Beasts. <laughs> fantastic uh, Foxes and Where to Find Them. Fantastic um, Foxes. I like that one. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be set in Japan. It's going to have the voice talents of Jeff Goldblum, mm-hmm. Edward Norton, mm-hmm. The Cranston. Ooh, Which okay. Which I believe is the first time that Ben Cranston has worked with Wes Anderson. Uh, yes, I think it is. Cool, I yeah. think it is. And uh, Bill Murray, because it's a Wes Anderson film. Well, that, that's kind of the case. With Also, I mean, that's the thing, because he's got Ed Norton and uh, Jeff Goldblum back as well. So he's got three of his... Uh, yeah, kind of cohorts. He's yeah, three of his Grand regulars. Budapest guys back. It's great, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. And also, Jeff is in The Life Aquatic. Well. Oh, he is, isn't he? I, I got Such to catch uh, Grand Budapest on Film 4 recently. I hadn't seen yeah. it in oh, about a year. That's a film I can watch any time. Well, I'd, I'd kind of mostly forgotten the ins and outs. I remember loving it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but I'd forgotten the ins and outs. I, I review 400 films a year. <laughs> it takes a toll. <laughs> you are but one man. I've, I've seen, I see about I guess something like 400-something films a year I review. Um, so you tend to you forget the ins and outs. But I was genuinely blown away by... Good Lord, this is great, isn't it? It's so good. You just get so wrapped up in you the world do. of it. And... You lose yourself in that film. Because yeah. it is just a classic, romping, almost Peter Sellers-like. It is. 
classic yeah. adventure film. I love it. Get your hands off my lobby boy. <laughs> <laughs> I like that when Edward Norton shows up to arrest him and he just <laughs> calmly turns around and legs and him. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and you think, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I also like F. Murray Abraham in it. I think he's great. Oh, he's fantastic in it. It's Who is really it that interviews good. F. Murray Abraham? I can't remember. Uh, Jude Law. Jude Law, that's yeah. it. Thank Jude you. Jude Law's good in it as well, which, you know, that's, that's a bit of a rarity. I'm, a rarity. I'm not a big fan of Jude, but... Yeah. Are, you, are you not a fan of the Jude? Not a fan of a Jude. Fair not a fan of a Jude. But, um, yeah, it was all right. Yeah. So what else is in the news? <sighs> okay, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. Ah, because he, he's, you know, he's not, he doesn't really do an awful lot these days, old Lin. I mean, he just spends a lot of his time sat on a porch thinking of musicals to write and then just never bother writing them. It's good to own land. <laughs> it's good to own land. So he, he's, he's like one of the Disney insiders now, isn't he? Really he is bit. now, yeah. yeah. Isn't really, he doing really cool. the music for their version of The Little Mermaid? I heard he all. is. In yeah. fact, he is such a fan of The Little Mermaid, the 1992 version of The Little Mermaid. His son is called Sebastian. <laughs> My dog was named Sebastian for the same reason. Really? Yeah, we named our family dog after the the crab in The Little Mermaid. You are both adorable. <laughs> Why, thank you. Yeah. My, um, my current dog is named after a Marvel car, so... Yeah, yeah. Mine is named after a famous uh, American comedian. CK? Yeah. Oh, okay. Louis CK. Anyway, Lin-Manuel Miranda, <laughs> um, he's doing a secret Disney movie with uh, the co-director of uh, Zootopia. Or Ooh. Zootropolis. Which one did we get? Was it Zootopia we got? Uh, we got Zootopia. Because the Zootopia. city is actually called Zootropolis. Yes. So it makes, makes more sense. It's called Zootropolis. Zootropolis. Yeah. But uh, Lynn, yeah, he's done the uh, Little Mermaid music. Oh, he's, he's about to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to be in uh, Mary Poppins Returns. Yeah, he's got Moana, which he's is got Moana trailing yeah, at the yeah. minute. Yeah, which he wrote uh, all the songs and did uh, the entire score for, I believe. Is he got a voice in the film as well? He must have. I'm not sure if he's a voice. He might just be doing just like a nod... I don't know, just like a smaller, smaller role, I guess. Well, as one of the uh, nine billion people who subscribes to the Rock's Instagram feed, yeah, I do know that they I'm are. One of them as well. Are you one of them as well? I do know they are spending an awful lot of time together at the minute. See that duet they did together. Yeah, melt in the heart. They're doing a lot of promo stuff <laughs> together. They really are. Rock seems to really love that guy. He really does, <laughs> and for good reason. Um, I was listening to Lynn on the Mark Maron podcast. Oh yeah, today was actually, he was it was this week's guest. Um, yeah, really interesting guy. Really cool background that he comes from. I liked his appearance on last week tonight a couple of months ago oh was, yeah with john oliver yeah when he was talking about puerto rico and it's, it's economic plight how it needs a cash injection that's a really good one but uh yeah cool. so I'm, I'm glad he's got a disney movie of his own i'm, I'm glad but yeah uh, absolutely i don't know if he's coming up with a story or it might just be like adapting something else i don't know i'm telling you but, it's going to be something in the way that moana is hawaiian he's going to do something puerto rican I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be terribly surprised at all. Puerto Rican princess. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Disney, Disney are definitely trying to tick those diversity boxes now, so... That's it. Although we did get quite a bit of flack for Moana. Not for her character, but for Dwayne The Rock Johnson's character. Yeah, I have heard this. The yeah. way he's the way he's visualised, isn't it? Yeah, as a big, big lo- as a larger Samoan gentleman. But The Rock is a larger Samoan I gentleman. I know. <laughs> and he's not... He's, he's not Fat. It's just all. It's just, he's broad. It's muscly. Oh, he's, he's a bulky guy, isn't he? He is. But, he's uh, also uh, the sexiest man alive. Yes. People magazine, he is. which should have been the opening film news. That should have. It should have been. been. It should have yeah. been. Should have opened or closed the show with that. Yeah. Uh, did you see I'll the clip? It again, before we leave. Did you see the clip when he went on the Ellen Show and they presented it with an what? enormous Rock. tarp? Yeah, they presented no. it with an enormous tarp, and it was the, uh, the 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 magazine cover, "Sexiest Man Alive." No, wait, no, I've I've not seen that. And he 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 responded by announcing he was going to secure it to his bedroom ceiling. <laughs> 
which I, think I don't is, doubt that he will. I, I think he should. I absolutely think Rock should do that. Oh, he's just, he's one of the best people he in Hollywood, He is just he? awesome, isn't he? Isn't he just the, the greatest? He's announced he's running for president in 2020. I wholeheartedly endorse him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <coughs> Who would he be for, though? Because a few, well, more than a few years ago, if it was about 15 or 16 years ago, he appeared at the RNC and the DNC. So I don't know whether he would be a well, I think I think we know who he'd, who he'd represent. Team Bring It. That's fair. That's, he'd be, that's he'd be it. a third party. He'd be Team Bring It. He'd be an yeah. independent candidate for Team Bring It. And you know what? He could probably make that work. I do not doubt it. I want to talk really quickly then about We Are The Flesh, which... Uh, <laughs> which you loved. <laughs> oh, yeah, I adored this one. Um... This is a really, really odd film. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where this actually originates from. It's a Spanish language originally. Mm. Um, this is a film about a brother and sister. So about the sort of college age brother and sister type, high, late high school, early college years. Brother and sister who, in in sort of a post apocalyptic scenario, wander into what seems to be like a deserted factory, a barricaded factory, where they happen upon a lone, deranged man who's sort of managed to managed to make a go of it for himself. He's found a way to forage, for instance. And they ask him if they can join him, if they can band with him and survive along with him. Mm. And what then follows is a sort of a, a scenario in which he perversely turns them on each other, as it were. He gets them to embrace their own carnal desires and their own animalistic tendencies, which results in everything from cannibalism to incestuous rape. And, yeah, it... Oh, and for some reason, a lot of paper mache And then reanimation, resurrection, murder, rebirth... The whole thing. the, The whole shebang. And it is... You do kind of hope that it's going to go somewhere, that it's going to, this is going to build up to some, some grand, meaningful thing. I mean, for, for the longest time, actually, the film seems to be laying itself out as a, the dark answer to the uh, Adam and Eve story, mm. the, the sort of dark equivalent of the inverse of that. Uh, but it, it then it tips its hat too early and just goes, for lack of a better term, mental and it it doesn't work it then gets it then builds to this this reveal which if you've ever seen a film before you can probably see coming a mile off and the result just doesn't quite come together having said that there are a couple of performances in it that are yeah, decent enough i'm just trying to remember hang on who was no, his name is because imdb and the press notes didn't list who played who <laughs> So I am completely guessing. I've just got some names. <laughs> They're just names. They're just, They're names. just names. So uh, the gentleman who plays the uh, the feral, you know, loner, as it were, mm. is go- just absolutely swinging from the fences. He's just going for as mad as humanly possible. Uh, the young girl, uh, the young girl lead, quite gripping, quite... You can't really take your eyes off. There is something about that performance, that very unhinged, broken performance, as this guy starts to just dismantle her. Um... Biggest problem I had with it more than anything was uh, it seems to be out for shock value and nothing else. There is a lot of unsimulated sex, for instance, a lot of quite graphic uh, imagery, a lot of unnecessarily vulgar visual moments, and it doesn't quite really ever present you with any depth that justifies any of it and it just seems this in poor taste exercise of sheer shock value and you wind up coming away i mean it's only about 80 minutes long but we all came out of the press screening turned to each other and went well that happened 
That was a thing. That, that was a thing, yeah. And we'd all been seeing indignation that morning. Which <laughs> going, uh, that happened, that was a thing, yeah. Yay, okay. You don't get them like that anymore. And do you remember the? Uh, do you remember in, in sort of the seventies when when you used to get all the Italian horror films, and a lot of them. I were, don't know, man. I'm twenty seven. Yeah, well, I wasn't alive in the seventies. I'm saying th- there was the seventies, and in those seventies yeah. were some horror films, and some of those horror films came from Italy, Mister Allen. <laughs> you, you genuinely, I like it when you're angry. <laughs> you genuinely looked like you thought I was going to tell you off. Then. <laughs> oh no, that's just my my permanent expression. <laughs> oh, I see. Being a constant state of readiness. About it's that sort, of, it's that sort of amused life finds a way expression that you wear sometimes. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that's the thing. It has the uh, the feel of you know like the ten percent of those Italian seventies horror movies that yeah. thought they were in the art house ninety percent, mm. when in actuality were just dross. Yeah, this is that. Right. This is that, but that's you know Spanish language. Yeah, and didn't do anything for me. Wasn't particularly gripped by it. And uh, doesn't. Doesn't really sound like it would grip me. No, it was just hideous. Just don't get wrong, it was better than the Greasy Strangler, but you know. Oh yeah, you're that one guy that didn't like the Greasy Strangler. (laughs) Apparently, I am. People loved that film. I never got a chance. No, they didn't. No, no, they didn't. I covered that when we reviewed it. it. I covered that exactly. I covered that when I reviewed it. it. They said they loved it based on the trailer because they saw the trailer. They said, "Ooh, I love that." Then they went, yeah. Then they went and saw the film. I went. Yeah, I love that. Uh, yeah. You're like, oh, what did you love about it? Oh, I loved uh, everything. Yeah. You know, we we have a mutual friend who does that habitually. Are you going to name that? I'm not going to name that. Air. I'm not going to name that. Name fr- shame. I'm not going to name that friend because he is a friend. But you know, I have told him before. But he, you could show him a trailer, and and he will do that. He will love that film based on a trailer. Based on a trailer. Despite the fact that he can see the film and it's rubbish. You know, just yeah, I, tell, me off air. tell me off air. I'll tell you off air, but it yeah. drives me mad. Like I can't understand that. Like why? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Nick Cage. God, stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. She's great. She's delightful, isn't she? Isn't she? She is, she is. just a treat. She is. She's fantastic. Mm. She's going to be making her directorial debut. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm bringing this up because one, she's fantastic. Yeah. Two, pretty cool story. Sounds like okay. three. She's got hell of a sporting cast. Okay, then. Okay, so... Spoil me. It's going to be called a Unicorn Store. Unicorn Store? Unicorn Store. So okay. Store, either for or selling unicorns. It's not you told me this a while back, but not a concept. You told me the title. I think I just told you the title, but not the concept. So, okay. basically, it, it's it's quite fun on the ground in terms of what the premise is so far. Okay. But it says it basically focuses on a grown woman who moves back in with her parents. She then receives an invitation to open a store. I'm guessing the titular unicorn store. But Samuel Jackson is going to be in it. Okay. John Cusack is going to be in it. Oh. And Bradley Whitford. Oh, right. I'm sold. I'm I, sold right there. I just need to say Bradley Whitford, really. Yeah, you right? should have led with that. Just... I should have led with, should have led Bradley Whitford and with Sam Jackson. Yeah, exactly. Well, just, yeah. yeah. Well, she she was in uh, Kong with Samuel Jackson, of course. Yes, yeah, she so is. Maybe yeah. that's where they, they've become friends. But that's pretty cool. That's, that's pretty good cast. Well, you do get the, that thing where the where the actors who appeared in a film together, when one of them goes and makes their directorial debut, yeah. they start cashing in the phone numbers. But like, hey, um, we just work together. Well, like Anton Yelchin, was gonna, his directorial debut that mm-hmm. he was working on was going to star half the cast of Green Room, it seemed. Of of course, yeah, yeah. That is actually being being made now. Is it still it? going ahead? I, yeah, I because he had Marilyn Manson doing the score. Yeah, he did. I really hope that. I hope that's still happening. Through, yeah. I would love a movie with a Marilyn Manson score. Has he done a score before to a film? I don't know. I'm surprised if he hasn't. Hmm. I don't know. He's, 
He's definitely the kind of guy that would... Uh, I'm going to look it up. Please you continue. Do it, man. You do it. I've got some news about uh, Fede Alvarez. <laughs> okay, go on. Is that who pronounced his name? Cause that's Fede Alvarez. Alvarez. Fede Alvarez, yeah. who made uh, Don't Breathe and uh, Evil Dead remake. <laughs> yep. And I've really enjoyed both. Don't Breathe especially, I thought, was fantastic. Oh, I mean, it was amazing, wasn't it? It's one of the best horror slash thrillers. Can, can I just year. point out, by the way, I just Go. pulled up Marilyn Manson on IMDb, mm. and uh, uh, it says under under filmography, it has, you know, it has known for. Yeah. Right? Yeah. First thing, Matrix soundtrack. Second thing, John Wick, thanks. For some reason, the movie <laughs> John Wick fact- thanks Marilyn Manson. I don't yeah. know why. It It seems to be sort of... Thanks for existing. Do we thank him as Marley Manson or as Brian, his real name? <laughs> I don't know. I love it. Right. Brian. Okay, I feel like a bit of a fool now. Why is this? B- because Marilyn Manson has been a composer on no less than 12 projects. Sorry, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> We're really ignorant. Having said that, one of them is Marilyn Manson Third Day of a Seven Day Binge. Yeah. Another one is Marilyn Manson Parody. But this is where it gets interesting. If you scroll all the way back, Resident Evil. Ah, did he just contribute a song, though? But it or just says it? composer. It says composer. Marilyn Manson. He's also on another on a documentary called Scoring Resident Evil. <laughs> so that's so, proof. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, please continue. Anyway, uh, Fede Alvarez. Yep. Um, so he has been tapped to make uh, the follow-up to a Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which is going to be called Girl in the Spider's Web. Yes, this so, is the standalone one. This is the fourth of the trilogy, isn't it? The fourth of... <laughs> The fourth of the trilogy. <laughs> Always makes me laugh. We're going to make the fourth of the trilogy. Well, that's the Douglas Adams thing. Yeah. And Douglas Adams famously coined it. Yeah. There you yeah, go. That's, 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 a, that's pretty cool. Composers for uh, yeah. Resident Evil are Marco Beltrami and, and Marilyn Manson. Manson. So maybe that's why fantastic. it was so rocky and edgy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. Uh, sequel to Girl with Dragon Tattoo. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I this... never thought that would actually see the light of day. Well, this is the thing, because I think the options have expired on the cast now as well. I think the, oh, half, really? I think the cast aren't necessarily coming back. I mean, I, can, can you really, really get Daniel Craig? Well, that's the thing. Daniel Craig would yeah. definitely be a mistake part, because Rooney Mara was, was interested in coming back. And I she thought she was. was great. I thought she was really I thought really I read good. somewhere that it was unlikely she was going to come back now. That's a shame. Um, but also, like, you'll never get Daniel Craig back. Not now. Yeah. It's, it's he too- was good in it, though. He was good, he was good in it, but too much time has passed. The other thing I didn't like was in the American adaptation of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, they added a sexual component between those two characters, which, mm. as far as I know, didn't exist in no. any other version. And I thought, seemed very out of place. Seemed like a very strange yeah, thing to add. Yeah, felt like, yeah. Do you know what I loved about that film? I loved the opening credits sequence. Yeah. It was like a really sexy Bond. <laughs> it, was, it was like oil and... Like a really it was sexy a Led Zepp song. Before Bond went hentai. Before, <laughs> before yeah. Bond started talking, doing a little bit of squid porn. Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, too many tentacles. You know, you, know, you know the guys with boners during the Skyfall opening credits? There had to have been. They were just like, they were just like dudes like, yeah, this is hard. But uh, <laughs> let's move away from that. I have some news about the director of The Witch. The director of The Witch. Do you is... know his name? Oh, it's not Ryan, is it? No. It's... It does begin with an R. It does begin with an R. That's why I got confused. Yeah. Right. The reason I, I remember we had this conversation briefly. Yeah. And I said, is it Ryan Eggold? Ryan Eggold is the male actor from uh, from The Blacklist. Yeah, that's what you got to confuse with. Yeah. yeah. But this the guy actual... is Robert Eggers. Robert Eggers, Robert there Eggers. we are. Uh, Ryan confirmed... Eggold, Robert Eggers, that's, that's, that's understandable. It's not too far. It's in the same ballpark. Yeah. You're okay. He's confirmed his next film is going to be a remake of uh, Nosferatu. How weird. How do you remake Nosferatu? I know. That should be... I mean, Nosferatu's I, quite I, a I short enjoy... film, isn't it? Yeah, but you can you can expand it. It's quite a short film. That's what I mean. Yeah. So there is yeah. room to do something new with it. Was was good. 
Oh, The Witch was terrific. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. So I should be interested in that. Did you ever see a film called uh, Shadow of a Vampire? The Willem Dafoe one. Wasn't it Willem Dafoe and John Malkovich, I want to say? It is, yeah. Such an interesting concept for a film. Oh, that that absolutely tore the critics apart when it came out way back when. Because half of them hated it, and the other half were like, this is amazing. This is amazing. How has this not been made before? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, if, if, if you don't know what Shadow of a Vampire is... Uh, basically, it's about the production of Nosferatu, where Max Shrek is playing what's his name, Count. Just Count Dracula. Just call him Count Dracula. <laughs> he's play- he's playing the, the vampire. Yeah, and um, yeah, about how he goes so method, he essentially becomes a vampire. It, you kind of just imagine Nicholas Cage is exactly that. Four kiss of the vampire, don't you? <laughs> I'm a vampire. Ba- I'm a vampire. <laughs> Uh, tell me about United States of Love because well, I I watched the last fifteen minutes of it and oh. I need frankly I, I need some closure and some context about right that. okay I'm, I'm I'll be I'll be as brief as possible on this one because there really isn't, there's not much to say and there's not much positive to say either um, it's one of those films that just, yeah, pretentious people claim is amazing it's really not it's a greasy strangler <laughs> it's a greasy strangler um, so this takes place in 1990 it's it's during the period sort of after the fall of uh, after the fall of communism really when uh, the Berlin Wall's recently come down Poland is facing you know a period of you know complete opt- optimism where people are beginning to break out and form their own lives they're not quite as oppressed as they have been um, this is directed by uh, Tomas uh, Vasilewski and it's a very, I mean, it's an exploration of four women, and they're all connected through, like, some work together, some are related. Um, four women, possibly, a fifth one does come into it later on, and how their individual storylines unfold mm. in, in this climate. And you've got everything from, you know, general job dissatisfaction to life satisfaction to, you know, a woman who just simply can't stand to be in her sort of loveless marriage anymore, doesn't like the shackles of domestic life, etc. Because, you know, you got to remember in the context of this story, this is taking place at a time when suddenly everything is possible, anything is possible. You know, so the idea of just doing the same old song and dance is, you know, suicide worthy. And, uh, which surprisingly is something that doesn't come up in the film. <laughs> but, um... The biggest problem with it is it is quite aimless. It is quite a wandering, trailing off kind of a film. It's very much a, it, it's a film that ex, that thrives on static shots, art house static shots. Yet they're all handheld ones as well. They're annoyingly shaky cam static shots, and you just think, for instance, why have you done this? It's got this bleached out color effect, which. Proves quite draining to watch. As yeah, it, were. it was like a really weird blue. It was, it? wasn't it? It, yeah. it? It's just bleached out to this sort of kind of dirty light blue. Mm. Yeah, it goes on for. I mean, it's an hour and forty-six. I think it was hour forty-six. Yeah, I only saw the last fifteen, maybe twenty minutes. Yeah, before. it's an hour forty-six. But you kind of sit there and think, if you could, you could have killed this at seventy-five, and I'd have been good. And. <sighs> No, it's just, you watch it and think this is going to get the art house, you know, the art house pansies out in full, going, oh my god, it's, it's such a mature and you know, developed project, such a, such a well thought out character piece. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, it isn't. No, it isn't. Put the Shiraz down. Shut up. Go and watch Fantastic Beasts. You know, you want to really. <laughs> you know, the snobs only drink Merlot. <laughs> is that what it is? No, well, they claim to. They, they claim, claim to. to. Okay, <laughs> there is a difference between what film snobs tell you and what they do. Okay, yeah. <laughs> ah, I like gin and tonic. <laughs> In actuality, they're drinking Stella out of a bag, and you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's Carling Special Brew. <laughs> 
that? Yeah. Oh, um, uh, John Colson, by the way, um, yeah. uh, texted me during the week. Friend of the show. Yeah. yeah, friend of the show. Texted me during the week um, to tell me off for last week awesome. when I asked about what's that candy you eat that's like clouds. Apparently, rainbow drops. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's apparently a thing. So I did get contacted and told. I haven't had to... rainbow drops for years. Oh, well, I think, I, he called, I think he called me a name as well. <laughs> Is it a name that you can say on the podcast? I, I honestly don't remember what he called me at the time. Yeah. <laughs> but I just got a text out of the blue because people listen to things that we... <laughs> give you any context or it was just like rainbow drops. It, that, that literally was it. He just texted me as rainbow, rainbow drops. drops. But, That's uh, for candy. Right, I have some news about... Wait, hang on, hang on. I've, I've been given the finger, the finger of he silence. Me, he texted me, Rainbow Drops, you f***, the sweets that taste like clouds, brackets, podcast. <laughs> Just to give it some context. Was, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> right, I have news about Aaron Sorkin. Okay. So I've told you about a film called Molly's Game that he has coming up. Is, this is the one about the underground poker queen, isn't it? Yeah, which is a story I've been interested about for a long time. And yeah, because like her well. clients were like really big names, like Affleck and Tobin Maguire. Maguire and, and, yeah. Was, was DiCaprio one? Uh, well, Tom Maguire was there, so I can imagine that yeah, Leo at least went once or twice. They're BFFs, aren't they? So. They are indeed best friends for life. But yeah, you, know, you just know that Tom Maguire secretly hates him. But, Do you reckon? Okay. I, I don't know. Clearly. I think we've got a pretty deep romance. I think he's just happy for him and his Oscar. <laughs> How'd you get an Oscar with your iron mask? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it's been adding some cast members. Uh, the latest one is uh, Chris O'Dowd. Oh, okay. Which is pretty cool. Well, he's getting around now, Chris O'Dowd. Really, like, he just used to be the guy from the IT crowd. Well, he just rapidly ascended into the sort of... The, what I call the Christopher Guest Collective, really. Yeah, he did, yeah. He, he did, just he did um, uh, mascots. Well, he did a, an actual series with Christopher Guest. Oh, yeah. Which nobody it saw. It was called Family Tree. Family Tree. Yeah, I heard and, it was good. Yeah, but, like, nobody watched it. got cancelled yeah. after one season. Nobody watched shame. it. But, yeah, apparently yeah. he's in big with those guys. That's pretty cool. And also, uh, he was doing the Judd Apatow scene as well, because he was in uh, uh, Bridesmaids. Yes, yes, he was. And yeah. then, what else was he in? This is 40, he was in. He knows how to make friends and influence people, doesn't he? He's not Simon Peck. <laughs> well, yeah. Also, that movie sucked. But never mind. Um, so who else? We've got Chris O'Dowd. Uh, Kevin Costner. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Michael Sarah. Michael? Oh, okay, I'll still see it. I'll still see it, yeah. <laughs> is, would Michael Sarah put you off a film? Yeah, well, yeah. If, if, if Michael Sarah is the star of a film, that's enough to make me not watch it. I used it. to look like Michael Sarah when I was about 16. Don't be silly. You have body hair. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> What do you think Mark said was just smooth? Like you never noticed that that black circle, that tiny black circle in the corner of your bedroom case. Oh, with the red dot. There. With the yeah, red dot, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jessica Chastain is obviously going to be uh, Molly Bloom. I don't know said. why, by the way. I don't know why, by the way. When you said, do I think Michael Sarah is uh, is uh, smooth? I just think, he hairless, like a woman. I don't know why. <laughs> What movie is that from? What is that from? I don't know. I'd put, I'd put it in my Google search, but I'm scared. Your Google search. He's hairless, like a woman. Like a woman. Oh, it's a woman that says it, but it's. I think it's meant to be. It's like a faux Russian woman or something like that that says it in a movie. He is hairless, like a woman. Oh man, what is it? Is it dodgeball? It might be. If, I think it's dodgeball. Is it? I think. Is it Missy Pyle? Not Missy Pyle. Uh, the one. It's Missy Pyle. Missy Pyle. Oh. Missy Pyle. Coincidentally, whose birthday it is today? I've just seen her on TV. Weirdly enough. And she's. She doesn't talk about Justin Long, she's talking about the tall, gangly guy who was in Avatar. 
Oh, who you will know and whose name I yeah. always he's in. He's in Bones. He's one of the yeah. one of the squints in Bones. But yeah, that's that's the guy. And we've just gone on a giant tangent. giant tangent. Oh yeah, because you, the you broke the, the news tangents. that Jessica Chastain was going to play Molly Bloom. She's going to Molly Bloom, and uh, Idris Elba is going to be playing her lawyer. Oh my god! I mean, I'm cool. so in. This movie sounds awesome. I mean, just getting those two. Together. And this is his. This is Sorkin's directorial debut as well. It is. I don't know why it's taken this long. Oh, man, I'm so I guess in. he's just been working with some fantastic uh, directors. Well, yeah, I mean, I watched A Few Good Men just the other night. Big fan of that movie. Yeah, I saw that, and I'm really, really good, but I couldn't be here. <laughs> to see I saw I saw that you were watching it, and I was like, I was alone. Damn. I was alone at the time. <laughs> the house had cleared out by that time. Oh, I, I thought that was like your big party film night plan. <laughs> no, we threw a party at like 2am, everyone had gone home, I thought, I'm going to watch A Few Good Men. And then about That's halfway through, I fell asleep, and then woke up at the point that they were uh, cross-examining uh, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. yeah. You could not handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I love that movie so much. Okay, I'm, I'm going to wrap it up with this, which isn't so much news, more of just a fact. Were you uh, one of the people that watched the Beating of the Beast trailer? I was one of the people that watched the Beating of the Beast trailer, yes. Yeah, one of the 127.6 million people that watched it within the first 24 <sighs> just, hours. That movie is just going to be like printing money. Isn't it? We it's going to be printing money with the Beast's face on it. We might need new currency just to compensate for how much money Gaston, that's going to make. Gaston dollars. Yeah, it's just we, just... we might actually need to start mass-circulating Disney dollars. Disney dollars, yeah. Which but, are, you, but you then won't be able to redeem in Disney World. Yeah. Yeah, like itchy and scratchy money. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But, uh, oh man, it was a good trailer. It was a very really good trailer. Good trailer. Absolutely. I mean, I, I knew it was going to come out like this week. Mm, Moana, I'm Moana's coming out on Friday. Well, yeah, so, yeah. they've got to have it on Moana. Tie it in, they? But also, they want it out before Christmas, so that no matter what film you see at Christmas with the family, you are going to see that see Beauty and the Beast trailer. Yeah, when you go see Rogue One, you'll be seeing this trailer. Oh, you will. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna see that, and you're gonna see. Is it going to be uh, Thor Ragnarok? You think? I think we're gonna get a Thor Ragnarok trailer on. Uh... Do you think? Oh no, no, it'd be Guardians, no. won't it? Guardians, Guardians yeah, first, be Guardians. Yeah. We, we we've only get... had that first teaser, and to be yeah. honest, I don't think we're gonna get that until. No, no, we're going to get that teaser. That teaser is going to be on every film this Christmas. Oh, the teaser we've already seen. But it's also going to be on Rogue One. Um, Yeah, of course, yeah. Thor, they'll hold off until, I think, the Super Bowl. I think you'll get a teaser. Well, you get Spider-Man first. Spider-Man's out June or July. Well, there's that. But yeah, Super Super Bowl's going to be a big one, isn't it, next year? Oh, the Super Bowl um, next year. Because let's not forget that, you know, we'll have had an awful couple of weeks when the time the Super Bowl comes around. You know, so... uh, So, you know... Most of us us will be in internment camps, so... (laughs) Uh, Lady Gaga is scheduled to do the Super Bowl halftime show. I, say, I, I thought you were going to say Lady Gaga is scheduled to be in an internment camp. Well, <laughs> she was protesting outside of Trump Tower, so I would not be surprised. Uh, but yeah. uh, she's um, doing the halftime, isn't she? Lady Gaga. She's she's doing the Super Bowl show. Nice. I like her. I like her. I like Just, her. Yeah. Also, I think she'll be good. she she's is an more, more enjoyable and entertaining than Coldplay. Well, Who I'll wants to it. get Beyonce and Bruno Mars? I mean, I'll be really honest. I quite enjoyed the Katy Perry Super Bowl halftime show. But, Shocker! Uh, yeah. Do you know what's a great one? But really shock. I, I thought she she pulled it off. Yeah. Not but, as good as Prince. Prince might no, be no. The Prince. Best. Prince was my favorite ever. Oh, she, that when, was, when when the curtain goes up. Yeah. And he's doing that solo with the big silhouette. Yeah. Prince was drop to your knees, form the cross position, close your eyes, and yeah. just embrace it. Sort of a performance. Yes, it was. Yes, By it the was. way, I um I recently caught up on New Girl. As you may Fantastic. know. Fantastic. And uh, I, I saw the Prince episode. Oh, I love the Prince episode. I didn't know that existed. Did you not? I didn't know. It's such a good episode. And so for the first five minutes he was in the episode, I was like, is that really That's Prince? Prince? He contacted them. I know. As well, yeah. I saw. I also heard that he chopped the Kardashians out of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, brilliant, love it. He hated the Kardashians. There's a clip of when Kim Kardashian is like pulled onto stage, but he's he's doing like a gig. At, like, oh, she's like a terrible performance or something, isn't she? She doesn't dance. He pulls her on stage to like get down and dance and stuff, mm-hmm. and she's just kind of just just kind of just waddling. Just well, waddling. I've I've and, seen Kim Kardashian wiggle her hips in different scenarios, and she can't do that very right. well either. So. Yeah. I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah. In, t- in terms of ownership of one's body, she has none. She has none at all. She's mostly just a receptacle for the um, influence of others, let's say. Yeah, well, Prince kicked her back into the crowd and just said, get off the stage, welcome to America. Love it. His exact words. Love it. <laughs> yeah, I- I'm totally on board with that. On which note, here it is. Your moment of cage. Well, while physically we are exactly the same, there are some slight differences personality-wise. Yes, for example, this Nick is calm and stealthy like a ninja warrior. Whereas this Nick is an exaggerated, screaming psychopath who really just doesn't exist. 